record this, I forgot. Uh, good afternoon. So let me call let me call to order there's our Pleasanton representative. Welcome, Valerie. Uh, Sean's not going to be uh, here today, so I'm going to chair the meeting. And I'm going to call the uh, meeting of the Altamont Landfill and Resource Recovery Advisory Committee to uh, in session and ask for Liz to do a roll call, please. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> Chair Wilson is excused. Uh, Council Member Carling? Here. Council Member Arkin? Uh, I'm here and I'm taking uh, Jeff Nybert's place. I'm filling in for him as the alternate. Thank you. Thank you. And member first. Uh, here. Okay, so we do have a quorum present. Thank you. So the next item is uh, item two, adoption of findings to hold this meeting of the advisory committee by teleconference and discussion. This is regarding uh, AB 361. So this requires an action on our part. Is there any discussion? Do we have any um, citizens that'd like to comment on this, uh, Liz? Any public comment? I see no raised hands. Uh, can I uh, ask a request a motion then for this particular item? I'd move to approve the adoption of the findings to continue holding the meetings uh, on Zoom. I'll second. Thank you to both. We have a first and a second. Uh, Liz, can you call the roll, please? Sure. Uh, Council Member Arkin? Aye. Member First? Aye. And Council Member Carling? Aye. Passes 3-0, thank you very much. Item uh, number three is approval of the minutes. Uh, actually, uh, before we move on, I, I just wanted to mention that uh, I'm sure um, most of you are aware that uh, the, um, the uh, state of emergency declared by the governor for the pandemic is set to expire on uh, February 28th. And since your next meeting is scheduled for March, um, that will be after um, the end of the the declaration of emergency so we the committee will no longer be able to meet under um the um the requirements set by um ab361 which is what you've been doing for the last several months so um i, I just wanted to to make you aware that the the next meeting um that you have um will likely be in person um, under either the um, the requirements of the Brown Act uh, under which the committee functioned for, for many years before the pandemic or um, under uh, the, the provisions of uh, AB 2449, um, which um, allows for very limited um, participation um, by teleconference by the, the members of the body. Um, so uh, I, I can go into a little more detail about that if you have any questions or, or if you have any thoughts on, on future meetings. Uh, the only, let's see, the only, I'm sure that Valerie and I have only ever done this on Zoom. Uh, so when we 
when we do meet in person, where do we do that? Um, well, well, that's a bit of a complication too. Oh. The, the, the county has, well, back up, before pre-pandemic, this group met in the regional room of the Dublin City Hall. Um, so it's a, a large meeting room uh, kind of across from their, uh, their, board, their council chambers. Um, and we uh, also provided lunch for, for the committee members at those meetings. Um, and the 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 commit the the board of supervisors has committed to um, having hybrid meetings um, for all the the various uh, committees and commissions that the the county staffs. Um, but where we we don't really have the technology in place. To have hybrid meetings, so we're still a little up in the air at this point about um, either finding a location where we can, where the technology can be provided to do a, a hybrid meeting, or um, just going with a, a fully in-person meeting. So um, we're still working out the details of of how that might go. Right, but I, let's see, we have this discussion with Stop Waste quite a bit. And even, even if you call after February 28th, even if you have a hybrid meeting, I mean, we've been able to do hybrid meetings in the past for these things, as long as you're in a public place and you, and you publicly notice the meetings somehow. And so, that's what you're talking about, right? It's it, it's difficult to have the technology in place to. No, I get sure. Yeah, I get that. Right, right. I don't know. It seemed to me that based on three of us being in in the valley, maybe someplace in Pleasanton might be uh, most appropriate. Um, Given a shorter drive for David and myself, uh, Pleasanton, a council member on the committee, and Sean being the one that would have to, I guess, tr drive have the longest commute. But I, I, my suggestion would be to look for someplace in Pleasanton. Valerie, do you have an opinion, or David? Well, yeah, I was just going to ask Liz if we do have use of that uh, the meeting room in Dublin that we've been we used before the pandemic. If we wanted to go back to full uh, in-person meetings, uh, we we could do that. We haven't checked with them yet about the availability of the room, uh, and actually, uh, we we have uh, always had some some issues with the March meeting because they have a lot of uh, St. Patrick's Day events. Um, <laughs> but uh, we we can we can check with them. So basically. Barring the availability of technology to have a hybrid meeting, we can go back to just doing uh, uh, in-person meetings. Yeah, because there's not much difference between Pleasanton and Dublin in terms of travel time. Sure. And that, that room is, uh, for the information of the other uh, committee members, that room is fairly large. And so we wouldn't be necessarily crowded uh, into that room. Is the next meeting the 17th of March? I believe that's correct. Okay. 
And I'm fine with I'm fine with any of it, whether it's sure. Dublin or Pleasant, anywhere in the Tri Valley. I think is. Yeah, but even so, I don't want to belabor this too much. But even the technology is one thing. I mean, a committee member that could call in on their phone, and then all you need is another phone on the other end. So you don't need a video technology as well. Isn't isn't that true? Well, it. it the the board has taken the stance that it it's it they want to have kind of the equal um, access both to the committee members and and the public that might be attended attended oh, to things okay. like uh, PowerPoint presentations and, and things like that. Okay. So That's how fair. do we how do we resolve this, Liz, over the next two months before the seventeenth? Uh, Kathy wanted to to say something. Oh, I, I just wanted to clarify that the reference to hybrid meetings in general refers to um, per remote participation by the public. Um, if you wanted to have the committee members to participate via teleconference, you would need to either use the established Brown Act rules for teleconference, which not only require the ability to call in, but also um, comes with some additional agenda and posting requirements. Um, and that's certainly something that the committee could discuss, but it would require um, some for you know planning in advance. And um, for the the question about the hybrid participation, as uh, Liz mentioned, there is an interest in ensuring that the public has the ability to participate visually in addition to audio, you know, via audio. Um, if the committee members wished to use the AB 2449 provisions relating to just cause and emergency circumstances teleconference. There are some provisions in there that require visual participation as well. Um, so the, the use of technology and having a room and the technological capabilities set up um, may be relevant for those kinds of circumstances. So I just wanted to clarify that. Um, and I'm and I'm sure many jurisdictions are going to be dealing with these questions in the coming months, and there may be more information, um, uh, particularly before you know before or at your March meeting. Um, so I don't know that any uh, major decisions have to occur today. No, I agree that no decision has to be made today. But I was asking the question about when will we might we know what the seventeenth of March meeting. Uh, where, where, I guess, where it's going to be. Um, well, we can investigate uh, locations. We'll, we'll start with okay. the uh, city of Dublin, see if we can go back to the regional room um, and keep on top of you know, the potential availability of, of the technology for a, a hybrid meeting. Uh, and we can keep the committee members informed um, as we uh, have more information for you. <clears throat> but we, we, will, we will look for something in the Dublin Pleasanton area. So we, we will have a, a meeting location that's not um, too far outside of uh, <clears throat> convenient driving distance for the committee members. Okay, thank you. So let's move on to approval of the minutes. Item three, any 
discussion? Do we have any public comment, Liz? Uh, no raised hands. Can I uh, hear a motion to approve of, uh, approve the minutes, please? Uh, I'll make the motion to approve the minutes of the uh, November 18th uh, minutes. Uh, they were very well written. Yes, I agree with that. Thank you. I'll second. Thank you very much. Liz, can we get a roll call, please? Yes. Uh, Councilmember Arkin? Aye. Member Hurst? Aye. And Councilmember Carling? Aye. Thank you. Minutes are adopted. Very good. Okay, so uh, on the item four is public comment. Any member of the public may address the committee on any manner not on the regular agenda. No discussion or action may be taken on any of these items. Uh, do we have any folks that want to make a public comment? It looks like Kelly Abreu does. Can you unmute Kelly, please? Sure. Thank you. Yeah. There's a project that's been uh, moving along under the surface quietly moving forward under the, the sponsorship of the Transportation Authority and Caltrans and uh, a lot of government agencies all working together quietly, arm in arm. Um, uh, to, but uh, before I get into the project, I'd like to remind this committee of its uh, stated goals and name. It's the, what, the Altamont Open Space Committee. So. You, one would think that this committee supports what urban growth boundaries, supports open space, and opposes uh, paving over large expanses of eastern Alameda County with uh, asphalt and cement. And um, so, this project is a uh, a four lane freeway in eastern Alameda County by the name of State Route Two Thirty Nine. Uh, intended to enhance and promote and support jobs and uh, and and housing development in urban development in uh, eastern Contra Costa County and western San Joaquin County while uh, running a freeway through down the length from north to south of the eastern Alameda County um, and mm. naturally paving over quite a bit. Um, and you, you would think that also it's going to, in, in, uh, to uh, increase the traffic load on Altamont Pass 580 which some people in Livermore, Pleasanton, or Dublin might be familiar with that one. Uh, might, you know, already has been widened. Maybe it'll need to be widened more to accommodate all the extra traffic. Um, so what they're what they're essentially doing is they're using Eastern Alameda County to um, to support urban growth in in uh, you know Byron. The, they want to. Uh, they'll also say that they need to to uh, improve access to the Byron Airport, which apparently is some type of major international hub for. For travel and uh, and goods, I don't think so. Sounds it's more like a, a parachute uh, recreation destination area, but whatever. Uh, Byron Airport, um, yeah, Brentwood, um, Tracy, all these places that are not uh, in Alameda County, but we're supposed to pay. And Mountain House, don't forget Mountain House, right, uh, which is right up against the border of the county. So we're supposed to pave over Alameda County, um, ignore our urban growth boundaries, pave over everything to support another freeway. Uh, and quietly, all these uh, all these government agencies, including the cities of the Tri-Valley, seem to be quiet, and the county, all these guys, the, the Sierra Club even, has not really uh, jumped out in front of this yet. Um, and a little bit surprising here. So everybody's quietly sitting back and uh, part of the, the, the freeway uh, uh, plan 
uh, quietly supportive. You know, uh, silence is acquiescence in this case. And uh, it, there's a lot of silence coming from Eastern Alameda County and from all of the Tri-Valley and from all of the environmental groups. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Abreu. Anybody else? Uh, I don't see anybody else. Yeah, no other raised hands. All right, thank you. I'm gonna close public comment then and we'll move on to item five. Catherine Boxer, I think uh, from Resource Conservation District has a presentation and this is an action item. Catherine? Yes, thank you so very much. I and my colleague, Fraser Schilling, a professor at UC Davis, are both going to be making uh, some comments within the context of our presentation. I'll be speaking to the first few slides. Uh, Fraser will jump in when we address locations, and then I'll be speaking again with the last few slides. Um, and what we're going to be informing you about is a very exciting opportunity that is now available through the Wildlife Conservation Board, where we uh, are able to apply for three to $5 million of funding to actually site, uh, determine, excuse me, appropriate sites uh, and start the design and look at other aspects of where wildlife crossings uh, are most optimally located in Alameda County. Uh, next slide, please, Liz. So you all know um, how grateful we are for the exceptional support that we've had from the ALOSC that has funded our wildlife species presence research uh, in the greater vicinity of I-580. Uh, we're fortunate also that we have been doing this work for almost four years now. So we have uh, an excellent set of data that will greatly contribute to uh, what we'll ultimately be doing within the context of this grant. Uh, I am sharing with you this additional information today because we also are asking for a letter of support from the ALOSC for our grant proposal to the WCB. We have a commitment from Supervisor Halbert and Miley's office through Sean Wilson, that, that they will provide a letter to the WCB that will be submitted supporting this uh, proposal. And we're asking the same of the ALOSC. 
I have drafted a letter, which I submitted to Liz. Uh, I don't know if Liz intends to discuss the text today or not, but uh, we would, we actually need that letter if feasible within the next uh, week or so. So uh, the issue of wildlife connectivity involves both the ALOSC's land acquisition or conservation easement program, as well as the research we've done. And we intend to not only look at sites on 580, but also 680 and potentially Highway 84. The picture you see in this slide is of a underpassing, as you can see. Next slide, please. So the proposal, we, the Alameda County Resource Conservation District, will be the lead agency. We will be receiving technical support from a company known as DUDAC, Mark Thomas Engineering, and Caltrans. And then our partners, of course, include the ALOSC, the county will be involved, Caltrans District 4, East Bay Regional Parks, the San Francisco Public Utilities Commission, as well as California Fish and Game Commission. Next slide, please. So, uh, Frazier, if you could take it from here, and then uh, I will jump in uh, about five slides from now. So, thank you so much. Sure. Okay. Great, thanks. And actually, it looks like my camera is flickering, so I'm going to turn that off. Uh, thanks, everybody, uh, for your time. As Catherine mentioned, we are uh, looking at several different areas uh, along 580, 680, and actually 84 also. So number three, number one represents the west end of the study area. Uh, that blob should actually extend over a little bit more to the east into the Dublin grade. Number two is for the Ultima Pass area, and number three is for 680 and 84 near Sunol. And so all of these areas, all of the highways are barriers to uh, wildlife movement in and out of the East Bay Hills and the Diablo range. And so this is all stuff that we've talked about before. I wanna amend <clears throat> one earlier comment that we actually need the letter uh, probably this week, not in a week or two. Uh, so I know that's pretty quick, but um, hopefully the fact that we have a template uh, will help that process along. Uh, next slide, please. So the, I'll just go through quickly some of the steps that would occur. And these are, uh, they really mirror as a project for SR-152 through Pateco Pass. And WCB considers this project, the one through Pateco Pass to be a model. And they've put it out there to others applying for similar planning fund to use as a model. So we're using that one as a model. Um, I'm actually working on that one. So it's easy to 
uh, pull this information uh, in, which I'm showing you right here. The first step will be figuring out where, taking the available information, figuring out where exactly crossings could go. And obviously in a complex landscape like the East Bay, there's gonna be a lot of different constraints. So just finding some possible places is, is the first exercise. The second is to then say, how feasible would these be in each of these given locations? What are some of the barriers and opportunities uh, to putting in a wildlife overcrossing in one or more areas? Next slide, please. And then there's a number of steps uh, that are really Caltrans types of steps through their different documentation. Uh, and these are the kinds of things that the, the firms that um, Catherine mentioned would take care of. Um, they're, they have to be um, done properly. Caltrans is pretty particular about how they're done, who does them and so forth. They like engineers to be involved, for example. And so there's a, there's a formulaic way that these would go through, um, but the entities involved are pretty experienced with it and Caltrans District 4 is enthusiastic about um, having this happen. So they're pretty motivated to make sure um, they're good partners. Next slide, please. And these actually won't be shovel ready. They'll be close to shovel ready. Shovel ready would happen after this, the phase we're gonna be in. So we'll get up to 65% um, design. I think the previous slide, slide said 35%. It'll be 65% design. And so for the final project, uh, assuming there's a phase two, that would be initiated by um, having final permits for the project, 100% design. Uh, programmed funding, et cetera. And that, so that would count as shovel ready. And so this, the, the objective is to lead to, uh, you know, to having something that could then become shovel ready and then shoveled, meaning literally built. So if we have this planning project occur in two to three years, then hopefully enter this next phase by 2026 or so, and potentially have wildlife crossings built um, prior to 2030, which for um, Caltrans would be pretty quick. Uh, so it's about the time frame. Um, Fraser, next slide, please. Yeah. Uh, excuse me. Uh, I wanted to add here that after, uh, given uh, we received this planning grant, the next phase would be yeah. implementation. And so there will be an implementation grant proposal right. available at some point in the next couple of years. Yeah. Uh, and then if you don't mind, Fraser, I'll just close this out and okay. then we can take questions. Sure. Yeah. And so the next slide, which is the best slide really in this presentation is a photo of a mountain lion that we have captured um, frequently. And it's been observed in the Southwest area of I-5 adjacent to 580. So that is exceptional that we have that information about mountain lion presence. And next slide, please, is uh, a slide that is prompting you all to ask uh, as many questions as you wish. 
Thank you. Uh, I do want, let's get some clarification. Liz, you said, or sorry, uh, it was stated, uh, Catherine, that you need the letter like next week and Fraser said this week. Well, today's Friday. So this week oh, is- Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I meant, you know, I meant, yeah. <laughs> My brain is already in next week. So yes, okay. next week. Um, but uh, WCB emphasized getting the proposal. These are pre-applications. Uh, they're about 10 pages long. Emphasize getting them in before the end of the month, quote unquote. So next Friday is the 28th at, or so, 27th, 28th. And so um, we'd like to get it submitted by, uh, you know, mid to late next week. Um, okay, that helps. So that's, that's the time. Sorry, sorry, Robert. <laughs> yeah, that was, you're right. Next week is um, fine. Sure. Um, any questions from the, from the committee? Uh, Liz, do you, well, Liz, do you have the uh, uh, the letter? Uh, yes, I do. I, I haven't had a chance to um, review it fully. I, I could share it uh, with you if I if you want. Well, I'd be reluctant to sign anything we haven't uh, seen. And, I agree with David. <laughs> and uh, also to make sure that uh, the letter doesn't commit us to any uh, continued financial uh, assistance. That's an excellent point, David. Uh, we are requesting zero financial support in this effort. And- uh, From the LRC, yeah. Yes, exactly. We're, we are going to request between three and five million from the Wildlife Conservation Board. And this kind of funding is has not been very available in the past. So this is a new era for California to be uh, catching up with other states on wildlife crossing development and construction. Um, also, I am happy Liz, if you want to show the letter uh, to take notes and then resubmit another letter to you uh, on Monday morning. Um, yeah, I was actually have a question. I was wondering if you could speak a little bit more about how the work you're doing for the committee, the using the funding from the committee fits into the, this bigger project, um, of course, with the, the construction. Yeah, I, can, I can do that. I can take that one on. Excellent. But, excellent question. Go ahead, Fraser. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so as Catherine mentioned, we've got, we've had the great support from you all. Uh, we also have some data collection that's occurring otherwise. So on 680, I've had camera traps in the past. Um, ACRCD has done a lot of projects and data collection in the region in general. And um, I have a lot of different kinds of roadkill and wildlife occurrence data um, from the region in general. So we've, that combination of information uh, is, allows us to do this planning. The ALOSC portion of that is obviously critical to the, the primary barrier, which is 580, which cuts across both ranges. And one of the most important parts of that has been uh, recent demonstration of where species are occurring and also where they're not occurring next to the highway. And that's, that's really critical because it's hard to justify 
to the state to build multi-million dollar crossing structures without knowing what's going on at the highway uh, in terms of wildlife movement and wildlife occurrence. So that, that data collection over the last couple of years has really allowed this project to happen. This project probably wouldn't happen if we hadn't had that support. And then it ties into uh, the larger ALOSC picture because then it, it, it solves one of the um, ALOSC uh, barrier, I'm sorry, priorities uh, about the barrier effect of these highways and um, how, we, how they, any crossing structure could then tie into conservation lands. So it, it really is a big piece of the puzzle uh, that wasn't really available before, uh, but now with this grant opportunity would be available is figuring out how to get across the highways. So it can attach conservation lands north and south of the highways together. It obviously extends outside the ALOSC area because it includes other parts of the county, um, but the primary, you know, the hook, the big hook is 580. Any so, other questions from the board? Um, I had just one quick, quick, quick yeah, just ahead. one quick question. Um, the furthest west boundary, it's not into Castor Valley, right? It's like more the Dublin Yes. Is that right? Okay. I just wanted yeah. to clarify. It wasn't clear on the map to me. That's all I needed. Thank you. Yeah. So actually the, the study area for the, for ALOSC and the LOC project is, you know, to the end of the Dublin grade. And so that's sort of the height of land, but for this second, this next phase, we are going to include the Castor Valley area as part of the sort of study of what's going on um, because it's, you know, it's important when you're, thinking about where you're gonna put something to consider the larger area, but the engineers think the most likely location of a crossing structure in that area would be in the Dublin grade side. So it would, the crossing would actually be within the ALOSC area on the west end of it, yeah. Okay, great, thank you. I, I'd like to emphasize and follow up on what the earlier question and how does the wildlife crossings uh, proposal that we're working on um, relate to the larger set of ALOSC goals. Uh, once we are able to ascertain the optimal sites for the wildlife crossings, we will concurrently be working with the ALOSC and helping to support identification of lands that are contiguous, uh, that are essentially will be the connectors on each side of a freeway, 580 in this situation. So that will inform the ALOSC as to what their priorities may be in purchases or acquisition of conservation easements. And we'll also want to integrate other land trusts uh, who may have already purchased ranch land in that area. So I think it will, uh, go a long way to helping to achieve ALOSC's 
land preservation goals. All right, thank you for that point. I think we should open up for public comment. Uh, Liz, do we have anybody that wants to make a comment on this topic? Uh, there are no raised hands. All right, thank you. I'll close public comment and bring it back to the board. Chair Carling, um, may I may I just sure. make a comment? Um, yes, please. Thank Carling, you, Kathy. Thank you. Um, so I'm uh, an attorney with the county, and um, I just wanted to um, remind folks of the, that the jurisdiction of the this body is not any open space or wildlife conservation issue, and this is not a separate entity. It's an advisory body. Um, the the work of this body is to identify lands for acquisition, including conservation easement acquisition um, for um, open space purposes based on the priorities set forth in the settlement agreement. Uh, the contract with RCD is not a grant. It is RCD as a consultant um, for this body. Uh, the grant authority of this body is uh, for the open space purpose. RCD has been hired as a consultant for this body in order to um, assist this body in carrying out that mandate. Um, we, you know, there is no separate legal um, existence. So um, any action by this body is advisory and um, will be sent for concurrence to the legal entities that uh, comprise this body, including the cities and the county. Um, so I just wanted to clarify, uh, and, and I strongly recommend that the action taken um, be, you know, within the jurisdiction of the, this body. So let me see if I understand what you're saying is that even if we concur with the letter, the letter would have to go back to each of our respective uh, councils for approval? This body has sent letters before, mostly, you know, one example, which may predate um, uh, council member Carling and council member Arkin's time is um, with respect to the Tesla Park um, potential acquisition, where this body identified just factually that we had, you know, that the AOSC had identified um, a particular area as a priority area and identified the existence of funding. Um, so it's not unprecedented that, um, you know, the body will send out letters that identify what it has done, which are all public records and public information in any event. Um, so I just wanted to clarify that, um, that, you, you know, there certainly is some discretion to send informational letters, outreach uh, to do the work that this body is committed to do. Um, but that, uh, you know, one thing to consider is just the question of, are we within our jurisdiction? You're not going to tell us whether we are or not, I guess. <laughs> is that what you're telling well, me? I, I, I will report what the settlement agreement defines as this body's jurisdiction. There's obviously um, a lot of room for what furthers those goals. Um, but that, that is a, it, it's not an, a policy body. It doesn't advise on all land use. It doesn't advise on all open space. It's not, um, you know, uh, I, I think um, Dr. Schilling referred specifically to highways being a priority issue for this body that is not within the settlement agreement. Um, it's certainly related to some concerns that are in there, but it is not a stated priority within the settlement agreement. 
But on the other hand, uh, Catherine did mention that, uh, at least to my ear, it sounded like it fit within the context of the agreement was the identification of potential land that this body may want to invest in and preserve at sort of either end of, of a crossover, if that, if we want to think of it that way. And that has been the justification for hiring RCD as a consultant. Okay. Um, and the expenditure of this body's funds in order to enable that. It is not a grant. They have been hired to serve this body and to assist you in carrying out the mandate in the settlement agreement. The other question I have is the, the well, I had sort of two questions. Is there a priority in the three uh, different crossings that you talked about? And secondly, Sonolan 84 is outside of our jurisdiction, right? Yeah, so there's the... Uh, um, the planning grant is for a, a larger area than ALOSC's area, but it includes the um, 580 as probably the, the largest barrier through both ranges. So any, any conservation action taken on either side of that by East Bay Parks or ALOSC or anybody, 580 is the primary barrier to the effectiveness of that conservation. So that's, that's where ALOSC's role is, is important, not only in, in terms of a letter, but also historically in supporting the data collection. 84 and 680, um, by being relatively impassable, are also affecting uh, the East Bay Hills and so the Western side of ALOSC's area. It's just more indirect. So I would say about three, two thirds of the focus is on 580 and that's why you see the big rectangles there. All right, any other comments or questions? I certainly agree with David. I, I mean, I, I think we all would like to get a copy of the, uh, of the letter and maybe have until, if we could agree Monday or Tuesday to get our comments back to Liz. Would that work? Uh, I'll ask my fellow committee members here. What do, they, what do you guys Hi. think? That would, that would work for me if we get the letter today, I could have an answer by Monday. Um, I, I do have uh, a copy of the letter uh, on the computer that I can share um, if, if you're interested in doing that. Um, I don't want to do it now. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm not very good at trying to edit things on the screen in real time. So I'd rather get it uh, a copy that I can print and pour over over the weekend. Valerie, any comment uh um please. yeah i mean i i agree with you bob i think this you know and, and related to this being within our jurisdiction i think this is related to open space and potential acquisition of property so i i think that's fine i'm a little confused what we're doing right now though with i thought the potential action item was sending a letter of support so you're are you are you saying bob to um get a draft of that and see if we uh, agree I mean, well, I guess what we need to do is we need to I'll look the list for help here. I guess we need to agree that we'll provide a letter of support as requested, but then it's incumbent upon us to, you know, to make whatever changes we think are necessary. And I guess agree that at the end of the day on Monday or Tuesday, whatever we pick that we've, the three of us and maybe Sean included, have, have agreed to this letter um, of support. 
I'm, so that's where I'm confused. I thought if we agreed to a letter of support, we'd be sending a letter of support. Why? I'm just trying to figure this out. Why would we need to look at it again to come to an agreement and possibly modify it or what? I, that's where I'm, I, I have a little confusion. Yeah, I know. I mean, Liz, can you help us out here? I mean, uh, to me, it's a little bit like, well, we wanted Dr. Schilling to, to amend his proposal, right? And so we worked with him and it was agreed upon by this body to uh, allow uh, me and him to come to a conclusion. And that's sort of what I was thinking about here. I mean, the problem is we don't have another meeting between now and next week. Right. What? So I was trying to think of a way that we could offer our concurrence that we do we do think a letter of support is meaningful and it would be helpful and we agree that we would like to do that. I like David and I presume you, Valerie, that before you put your signature on something, you'd like a chance to read it and make sure you agree with all the words. Okay, so the best process of how to do just that. to just to review the letter and make sure it coincides with what you know that we're on the same page type of thing. Yeah, Kathy, are you going to look at this as well? Um, I, I'm, I, you know, I again, my role is to advise the county. The committee doesn't have a separate existence, and certainly, if um, you know, county staff came to me for legal advice, I could you know, weigh in, um, you know, just to your question about procedures, as with the contract itself and uh, prior letters, one action that the committee has taken is to give direction on, a, you know, the contents of a letter and then designate someone to draft it uh, so that, um, you know, you're not meeting, you know, over email or behind closed doors, but someone's got an idea of, okay, here's what the committee supports and that person's going to draft it and prepare it. And, and yeah, yeah Kathy, the, just to, oh, I'm sorry, Liz, the, go ahead. The committee's done that in the past several times where they've, um, you know, d discussed their um, intentions or, or their thoughts in terms of the, the content of a letter and then uh, voted to authorize uh, the chair to send out uh, a letter. Um, so you could do that. Um, Maybe that's what we should do since he's not here. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> staff helps with the drafting of the, the letter. And I understand. The chair signs it. <laughs> okay. So I did draft a letter for consideration, fully expecting that the ALOSC uh, board would make some modifications. Uh, and that is typically what we do anytime we request a letter of support from any entity. As I said, uh, I coordinated with Sean Wilson and submitted a draft to him for supervisors, Halbert and Miley's signature on the same planning project and uh, anticipate receiving um, a letter back from the supervisors uh, or uh, a slightly revised letter back 
uh, from Sean from the supervisors next week. So uh, this is very consistent with processes we've gone through before. And um, I think it says a lot to the state agencies that the local community is communicating and coordinating and offering support where they believe it's important. So Sean is not completely unfamiliar with this. I was a little concerned about sticking Sean with this responsibility since he hasn't been part of this conversation. But the fact is, is that you've been working with him yes. to get Wiley and Howard to support this. So he's familiar with this. Yes. I guess I'll look to my colleagues. Do you think it's too much of an imposition to ask Sean to, to handle this since he's going to sign the letter anyway? What do you? That seems like the right protocol. I don't know if it's too much since he's not here to ask, but um, it sounds like it would be the proper uh, process. I'd, I'd be very uncomfortable uh, having a letter go out on the committee's name, even with Sean signing it, that the committee members have never seen before. Okay, and let's, um, Liz, can, how, how can you connect with Sean on, uh, sorry, David, go ahead. Yeah, one more one more point. I think maybe to make this as efficient as possible, assuming Kathy is okay with this, is if Liz could send the letter out to all of us, we would send in uh, our any comments we have directly to Liz, no reply all, nobody else sees it directly to Liz. And then Sean getting our, comments, rewrites the letter and sends it out. I'd be comfortable with that, but I'd at least like to see what this letter is. Okay, I think that's a good idea. Any other thoughts about that, Valerie? You... Uh, well, Jeff is the member, so I would um, ask, good and point. he's out of town till tonight, so um, I would ask that it be sent to him. I can talk to him about what transpired today, but he should really be the one involved since I'm the alternate. Liz, do you think that would work from Sean's point of view? Uh, well, I think what would happen is that I would most likely incorporate your comments into okay. the letter and then provide it to Sean with an explanation of okay of of how the letter was was changed. Um, I, I guess I'm uh, a little concerned about. Um, the Brown Act, if that, uh, I, I know you, you're, you wouldn't be conferring necessarily outside of the meeting, um, but I asked Kathy to weigh in on uh, how that, the approach of separately commenting and, and sending the comments to me conforms to the Brown Act. Right, and what I would suggest is that it sounds like it might make sense to um, have, uh, to designate someone, it sounds like it'll be Sean working with staff to prepare a letter of support um, based on review of what RCD has prepared. And if staff um, wants to uh, get comments, including from other staff, um, at the various jurisdictions, I think that would be fine. Uh, as long as there's no communication um, between the, the, the body itself 
and there's not um, a, you know, any hidden deliberation and everything is consistent with the discussion here. Okay, uh, did everybody understand what that, can somebody make a motion to that effect then? Um, Go ahead, Liz. Snyder does have his hand up. Oh. Hear from him. Uh, well, we had public comment, we closed it. I guess, uh, Dick, do you have a comment? Did you unmute him? Uh, he put his hand down now. Oh, all right. Um, now his hand is up. Go ahead, Dick. Is he unmuted? No, there he is. Okay, can you hear me? Yep. Yes. Okay, now I'll put my hand down. <laughs> um, one of the questions you asked is how does this relate to the um, to the purposes of the committee? And if I could, uh, well, I, I don't have to display this, but for many years after the committee got started, we used a different application for grant funding that included the criteria for the selection of, of projects. This was in our fantasy time when we thought we were gonna be um, just uh, inundated with, with grant applications, so we would have to choose from among them. Anyway, one of the criteria under the significant value for protecting native biodiversity is, is the property a corridor that links wildlife habitats? And clearly this um, project goes to that purpose of, uh, of protecting significant value for native biological diversity and habitat because um, it's directly tied to identifying um, properties that will link via this crossing uh, wildlife habitats. Thank you, Dick. Okay, I think we, I think we still need to make a motion. Um, can somebody reiterate what Kathy was suggesting to uh, provide a motion? So let me try it, Kathy. Uh, so the motion is would be to uh, several things. One is that Liz is going to get the the draft letter out to each of the members um, today, I presume, or shortly, so that we may review. We would get our comments back to Liz, and we would expect then that Sean working with Liz would uh, draft the letter of support that he will then sign. Kathy, did I get that right? I think, yeah, it, the, the key features was just that you're delegating authority to prepare a letter of support to Liz, um, to staff and working with, uh, that will be prepared for Sean's signature as chair to be sent out on behalf of the committee. Um, and certainly staff can uh, send copies out and uh, get comments back from the committee members after preparing it. Thank you. Is there a second? Can I get a clarification then? Kathy, are you saying that, that Sean and, and Liz are gonna work together, develop a letter and then send it to us for our comments? 
Is, is that what I heard you say, Kathy? Yeah, I believe you're delegating the authority to prepare the letter to Liz um, and you know to staff. You're directing staff to work to prepare a letter of support on behalf of the committee that will be signed by the chair um, based on the discussion here today. Yeah, I think as I was as I was understanding it, and I thought what I had said, and maybe I was wrong, but I thought we would get the letter from Liz, the three of us on here. We would get comments back to Liz early next week. And then Sean and Liz, working with our comments and the draft from RCD, would create the letter of support that then would be under Sean's signature, providing the kind of um, support that RCD and, uh, and UCD are looking for. And there'd be no conversation between any of us ahead of, to avoid the Brown Act uh, conflict. Okay. I'll, I'll second it. Thank you. And just any other one, discussion? Sorry, Liz, you have something. Uh, just one little clarification. I, I, I think we did receive the a letter yesterday afternoon from um, RCD, um, and I, I think uh, we'd like to make some modifications to it to more closely reflect the the authority of the the committee. Um, so I think we would like to make some modifications to the letter that RCD sent before sending it out to the committee members. Okay. I will add that to my motion. So the motion is that Liz working with whomever will edit the current draft to make it more consistent with the uh, with the committee's purview. She will then get that to the three of us, David, Valerie, and myself, and Valerie will get it to Jeff Nybert. We will provide comments back to Liz, can we say by the close of business on Monday? And then she working with Sean will draft the final version, offering our support, and uh, Sean will sign it. Do I get a second? I'll second Good. again. Good, Valerie. Thanks. Let's uh, take a roll call, Liz. Thank you. Hey, Council Member Arkin. Aye. Member First. Aye. And Council Member Carling. Aye. Thank you all for that uh, vigorous discussion. I hope this... Uh, helps with uh, WCB. Thanks, okay. everybody. Thank you. Yeah. Let's see, moving on to uh, item six, uh, it's information only. We're gonna get a presentation about LARPD regarding some purchase of a zone seven property. I saw Matt Fusey is, Matt, are you gonna speak to this issue? Yeah, I was just gonna clarify for Matt, I'm listed on the agenda. Uh, I was asked by legal counsel to find somebody directly associated with the LARPD to make the presentation. So I asked our general manager, Matt Fusey, to uh, to make the presentation. Thank you. Good, thank you for that clarity. Matt, on to you. Hi, hello. Thank you for having me. Good afternoon. Um, so LARPD has been working for some time, more than four years, with Zone 7 to put in a trail um, on what's called the Patterson Ranch property. 
It's south of Sycamore Grove, just south of Sycamore Grove. And um, we're trying to put in a trail in the north portion of that property um, that would loop into, create a giant eight mile loop uh, up into the hills and through Sycamore Grove. It's actually a, a quite beautiful route as a, has a, um, a vista at the top of one of the, the hills that looks over the entire Tri-Valley. It's just absolutely beautiful. Um, it's been a bit of a difficult road with a lot of negotiations back and forth as to fencing, uh, cattle, um, Zone Seven's responsibilities. And if I say anything negative about Zone 7 inadvertently, I don't mean to. Uh, they have their, their um, mission and we have our mission and sometimes they don't align perfectly. Um, so during, during discussion with Valerie Pryor um, about fences and about the things we disagree on, um, I came up along with Director First with the idea of seeing, well, maybe the, maybe they don't want to be in the land owning business in this location. I wonder if they'd sell to us. Um, she immediately responded that they would be interested in doing that. So um, it is a that's how early of a stage you're getting this briefing. It's been simply that a conceptual discussion about Zone Seven selling land to us. Uh, the purpose would be that it would maintain their, their mission of preserving the watershed. But our mission would be enhanced because then we would be able to provide a higher level of recreation. Now I'm on here twice. You see me twice on the screen because I had to switch devices uh, because the audio is so bad on my other device. But I'm going to share my screen with you to show you the property. So up in this area, this is um, Sycamore Grove property line. The green line is the trail that we've proposed. We got a permit for, we've mostly built, um, but is shut down now both by weather and um, disagreement with zone seven, how to move forward. The blue hash lines are fence lines that they're requiring be a part of the project, which basically we just, we just have a basic disagreement. Uh, my facilities committee said they're not willing to spend a, spend a bunch of money on a fence that's not necessary. I frankly agree with them. Um, and so that's where we're at with an impasse. This line also, this fence line is also the likely area that we would propose to purchase from them. So it would be this property all the way to here. So you can see that's quite a bit of additional recreation area that would be added to Sycamore Grove um, and would provide for a great deal of additional recreation space as well as a visual buffer for the city of, of Livermore and the Tri-Valley. Um, as well as just some really nice open space uh, and wildlife passage. So that is the crux of what we are trying to do with Zone 7 right now. And I will leave it at that. Any questions? Yeah, thank you, Matt. Uh, uh, question, how many acres are you talking about here? Um, I don't 
I don't know that number right off the top of my head. Um, it is in public ownership right now. Um, I can absolutely get that. David, do you know the acreage offhand? No, I don't. Okay. Any other questions, David or Valerie? I was just going to add one more thing, if I might. Sure. Uh, and and that is that the uh, the recreational opportunities and increased recreation is part of one of the the goals of this committee. And and I think the basic question is: Is this committee supportive of a grant application? Not that you would approve the grant application now, but is this committee supportive? of the submission of a grant application for one public agency, LARPD, to purchase land from another public agency that is zone seven. If the committee says no, then the LARPD would not go forward. If the committee says you're willing to entertain a grant application, then uh, LARPD would go forward with negotiations with zone seven regarding specifics of the property and prices, et cetera. So I understand the question. I guess based on the agenda, uh, that wasn't what I thought we were going to talk about today. So I guess I need some clarity. Kathy, can you help us out here? As can we? Uh, you wouldn't be able to approve anything, but I think you could. This is a discussion item and informational. You could certainly discuss. Okay. Um, you know concerns or questions or points of view, uh, but this is not listed as an action item. Right. And and just to clarify something that um, member first said earlier, um, I understand that he is not a, um, uh, he is not an employee of LARPD, but I believe he is an officer of LARPD. Um, so he's, you know, he's still part of the committee. He may participate in the discussion and the action because LARPD is a public entity, but just for disclosure, he is, um, I believe, an, a board member on that's, LARPD. Right. Well, I certainly knew that, but I didn't. <laughs> okay, thank you. Yeah, that's, that's correct. I'm an elected director of the LARPD. Right. I, I, that. I don't know whether Valerie knew that or not. So, okay. Thank you, Kathy, for that. So I I'm the Sierra Club rep to this committee. Right. Valerie, any comment or questions on this item? Um, David's point? No, not at this point. Yeah, thank you. Okay. See, I'm going to open up to public comment. Do we have any members of the public? Oh, we do. Looks like uh, Dick Schneider first. Dick Schneider. Thank you. Uh, let me lower my hand. Um, so the committee can only fund um, recreation that is non-motorized. Um, and I don't know what LARPD's policy is for electrical bikes, but those would be motorized recreation, electric motors. And um, so I think that it seems to me anyway, because we get, need to get legal counsel, that there would have to be a restriction on the use of e-bikes on that land if it were to be acquired by LARPD. That's my comment. Right. Okay, thank you, Dick. Uh, Mr. Breu? Um, yeah, the, if you look at the uh, levels, there's various water agencies in the Tri-Valley. One of them is called the San Francisco Public Utilities Commission. They own thousands, tens of thousands, literally tens of thousands of acres in the Tri-Valley. For example, 
um, a part, uh, San Antonio Lake, uh, San Antonio Reservoir, the uh, Calaveras Dam and Reservoir. And they don't let people um, walk on their, uh, anywhere near the, their, on their lands, generally speaking, people can't, can't walk. Uh, then you have another level, which is uh, Zone 7's attitude, uh, uh, statements that we heard about just now. And Zone 7 seems to think that if you let people out of their houses and into, uh, you know, open space or somewhere out into the fields, that you have to put up fences to keep them, uh, what, uh, 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 corralled into these uh, linear corridors. And uh, I don't know what the, what the purpose of, of this is, it, it, uh, but uh, the real purpose, because uh, if you put up these fences everywhere, then we've, uh, you know, may as well put leashes on, on, the, on the people and treat them like dogs uh, to really, really maintain control over their, their, uh, their, uh, their, their, their uh, movement. Uh, if you look at other park districts, for example, park district, uh, the uh, Alameda Creek near Sinol, up there, they have a regional park, I've seen, and they have uh, trails uh, along Alameda Creek called the roads up there, um, Sinol Regional Park. They, uh, they don't have a, a fence stopping people from leaving that road and going down and visiting li Little Yosemite. They don't have fences stopping people uh, uh, that, along the corridors. They don't have fences along uh, stopping people from going down into uh, uh, Welch Creek they don't have, uh, I could go down the list of areas. Uh, Alameda Creek in, in Fremont does not have fences everywhere to keep people from uh, leaping to their deaths or into the rocks and into this massive river that's flowing today, which they'd probably die if they jumped in. So yeah, I, I just don't understand the purpose of these fences. P fences are more of a ranching idea for cows to keep cows from wandering off and getting themselves and, and losing your track of your property. I don't see the, the, uh, the purpose of fences when it comes to parks and recreation, thanks. Karen Sweet. Karen, you can go ahead. Not hearing you. Karen, are you? Can you, uh, are you able to unmute or? It looks like she's unmuted. Yeah. I think we need to move on. Um, so I guess what to David's question, I guess I'd be interested in hearing more. Um, so Valerie, do you have a point of view? Um, yeah, no, I, I agree. I think it's, uh, I, I'd love to learn more. I would imagine Jeff would too, so. Yeah. Is that what you need from us today then, uh, Matt and David? Or Matt, I guess I should be asking, not David. Yeah, I think that um, conceptually, 
um, if the door's not closed, and I know you can't take an action today, but um, if the door's not closed, we'll continue having discussions with Zone 7 or look for um, sources of funding for the potential acquisition. So thank you very much for your time. Perfect, and good luck uh, with the conversations with Zone 7. So that closes item, that item, item six, on to item seven, which is a committee outreach to public regarding open space criteria and funding availability. This is a continuation of an item. I think we sort of ran out of steam in November on this topic. Uh, is there any other comment or discussion that we'd like to have on this? Liz, is there anything that Sean wanted to hear from this uh, group today? Do you know? Um, not that he indicated. Um, yeah, it, at your last meeting, I made a, a presentation that I put together just about you know, the, the background of the committee and all that, and um, you know, just um, continuing the discussion to see if there's any, um, how the committee would like to move forward on this. Yeah, anything else new on that topic? I was trying to I know one of the things one of the things we talked about was getting the availability of funding out to the public in a different way. I think wasn't that the kind of the crux of much of the discussion last time? I looked at David and Valerie to help me refresh my memory. Right? And I don't know that we've made any progress since then. Um, I, I think there was some discussion about maybe you know doing the pre presentation to various bodies or uh, having like one large community workshop, um, but um, no decision was made about how to do that. Is it appropriate for us to talk with, directly with agencies such as the Fred Alley Conservancy and other uh, conservancies, land conservancies, to let them know we exist and we have money to help with purchase of preservation of open space? Uh, just to respond to that specific question, the settlement agreement specifically provides that this committee may work with any interested agencies, including land trusts and others who might be able to assist in the committee's goals. Okay, thank you. Yeah, thanks for that, Kathy. I, so I don't, I mean, I think that's a good idea, but I guess the question is, is then how do we find the time, what resource? I mean, I think the presentation that Liz, Liz uh, gave last time would be a good place to start, but I mean, we also have to make the connections and and make the time to do those things. Um, did somebody have an entree to the Trivalent Conservancy, for example? I mean, that might be a good place to start and see what kind of reception we get. Could Liz be tasked, and again, Liz, I know you've got plenty of things on your plates, more than one plate, but uh, could Liz be tasked with developing a list of various agencies such as the Tri-Valley Conservancy that the, this, this committee could see and then make a decision on how we want to try to organize our, our time and our energy. Liz, is that possible? I don't want to give you extra work. 
Uh, yeah, that's something I, I can do. Okay, thank you. With the, with the committee's permission. I think that's a fine idea. I, I mean, I have no idea how many we're talking about here. Is it a few or is it dozens? I, I was under the understanding, and I, this was a couple meetings ago, so, but I was understanding there was going to be presentations to our respective um, councils. Did we go, is there a different direction now to do outreach at other organizations or? No, we just didn't do it. Okay. <laughs> I think. I think that's that's a fine idea, and it's in the. It's so we're, in the it, we're open to. Oh sure. Okay. But again, you know, the last time I frankly, the last time I thought about this was November eighteenth, right? Until today. So you know, between um, lots of other things, I have lots of excuses, right? But we just we just didn't do it. But I think, yeah, we can certainly put it on the agenda, or somehow make it known to. Uh, to our respective staff at our cities and and so on. But I, Liz, let me ask the question again. Are we talking about a, this list? Or is it a few people, a few organizations, or is it dozens? My guess would be just a few, but I don't know. Uh, if you're talking about uh, groups that could actually, they have to manage the problem. Yeah, like if they if, if you're look, looking for people who would actually apply for grants and, you know, purchase property or easements. Um, yeah, I wouldn't think the list would be very long. Yeah, half a dozen or less, I would guess. But... Like park districts, uh, city councils. Um, yeah, but even cities aren't that enthusiastic about managing the property. Oh. Bob, one of the things that the Tri-Valley Conservancy has done in the past is they have purchased land and then they have donated that land to a park district. The LARPD has acquired several pieces of land that were purchased by Tri-Valley Conservancy, getting grant funding from other organizations right. and then giving us the land so that they were not in charge of operating and maintaining right. the property. Right, right, right. And, and this committee has actually uh, given TVC at least one grant for, for purchase of land. Right, I thought I had seen that on a previous slide. Yeah. Right. Okay, well, let's get the list and I guess we can think about it some more about how to communicate to our respective city councils and so on. Do we need to open public comment on this item? Uh, yes, and I, actually we do have a, a raised yes. hand. Indeed, Dick, you're on. Thank you again. Um, I'm going to be seeing Laurie Souza this afternoon um, in a couple hours. As long as I don't forget, I'll mention it to, to remind her that uh, they should be thinking about us. That's not the main reason I wanted to raise my hand, though. Perhaps we can um, let this be known to the real estate agencies that work in East County, that this committee has money to uh, fund the acquisition of property. And if they have clients that are looking to sell, they might be able to figure a way to find a buyer, which we could help fund the acquisition of the property. Okay. I don't know how you go actually go about engaging the real estate industry that way, but- um, My suggestion would be go through Bay, Bay East, Realtors Association, which is housed over in Pleasanton, and they seem to have their uh, 
finger on most of our deal with most of the realtors in the Valley, I, I think, right, Valerie? Yeah, I think you're right. That would be the one to reach out Talking to. Talking to David Stark would probably be the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Can somebody do that? I, you know, I don't know any of those people. I know David Stark. I guess I could do that. So I'll take that as an action. All right. Thank you, Dick. Uh, I'll close public comment, bring it back to the committee. Any other discussion or comment on this? Not at this time. Good, thank you. So that was only information. So on to item eight, another continuation from the previous meeting, a payment for ecosystem services as a priority reviewing grant applications for funding a property acquisition. I don't remember what that one was about. Liz, do you, can you help refresh our memories? Yeah, uh, this was an item that was suggested by Dick Schneider, and, and there was some discussion at the last meeting about the um, the the committee's ability to um, <laughs> include funding for uh, ecosystem services when um like for example but uh providing a grant for um uh, uh acquisition of easements um and dick has his hand up so uh it might be a, a good idea since this was his suggestion to, to let him speak yeah i do remember that now okay dick help us out here thank you <clears throat> So uh, for other people who have forgotten or hadn't heard this topic, ecosystem services are the things that nature provides um, that benefit uh, humans uh, as well as other, other species. Um, and they are part of the natural, uh, natural environment. And those could be part of the criteria that this committee uses to, um, to uh, acquire easements um, value the land for those easements or, or value the land uh, for acquisition by other entities, public entities. Um, <clears throat> and it's, a, it's not new, it's a fairly old field of study, but not the idea of paying for those services um, directly is fairly new. Um, <clears throat> the county, uh, the, the Resource Conservation District applied for a grant um, last year for creating a county payment of ecosystem services study that we did not get the grant, uh, RCD did not get the grant with a, a California climate research, climate, res, let's see, the California Resiliency Challenge, CRC. Um, but we were encouraged, the, the grant proposal was highly rated and that we were encouraged, RCD was encouraged to, I keep saying we, because I helped participate in the grant proposal, um, encouraged the reapplication this year if there's gonna be another round. So it may be possible for the RCD to work on creating a payment for ecosystem services that is to analyze the properties within the county that provide ecosystem services and to value them. So there's a way for this committee to monetize some um, portion of a, 
of a conservation easement or an acquisition based on how important a property is for the services it provides, not simply the habitat, but um, there may be multiple reasons that a particular property has value to carry out the purposes of this committee. Um, I had mentioned one of the criteria of being a card or for migration as one of the criteria that this committee has used in the past um, to, to evaluate properties, but putting in the, its value for ecosystem services might be another criteria that the committee could consider when getting proposals. And in fact, it might be a way to get more proposals if the land has value for these ecosystem services and, and people are made aware that uh, they could be paid for, for those services, providing those services that they now give for free. Okay, um, thank you, Dick. I, I guess, are there, are there outfits that provide these ecosystem services today? Um, <clears throat> well, so one payment for ecosystem services is, is to provide tax credits of Williamson Act, Williamson Act tax um, reductions for the maintenance of agricultural land. That's a, a, a service that natural lands, I mean, privately owned natural lands provide, which is the, the maintenance of, of um, the ability to provide agriculture. And we now give a, the, the state and the, the county, the counties that participate in the Williamson Act like Alameda County does, a tax credit on their or tax reduction on their property tax bills for maintaining that land in its agricultural st status. So that's just one service that natural lands provide, the ability to provide food and fiber for, for our benefit. And there's a, but there are plenty of other services that are provided um, by natural lands that could be compensating the landowners um, through an easement process. Once this idea gets um, put into better practice, as I said, it's fairly new. Um, <clears throat> last couple decades, and I'm not an expert on it, but uh, um, you know, finding a way to a source of money for these services is going to be the hard part. Not identifying the services, perhaps monetizing that value might be hard, um, but there are ways to be doing, you know, that are do doing that, researchers that are doing it. And I think Fraser Schilling, in fact, last time mentioned that his, he's come up with a model to, to evaluate the value of nature services on properties. Um, but then finding a source of money to compensate the landowners to protect those services is always difficult. This committee has money. And if we can incorporate the value of those services into the an easement value or an, an ongoing stream of revenue, then that could be beneficial and it would help us accomplish our goals. Yeah, thanks. I, I'm reviewing some of the comments or at least uh, in the minutes from the last meeting, one of the things that uh, Mr. Schneider suggested was to have someone with knowledge of the subject come to the committee and speak on this topic. And you're right, 
Dr. Schillings did say that he had some method for for services payment. And so I don't, I, I mean, is it the pleasure of this group to, to follow Mr. Schneider's suggestion and get somebody here to speak more in depth on this particular topic? Is that something that you folks would be interested in? And I don't, I mean, if so, who would we ask to do that? I suppose we could ask Fraser Schilling as a start, but I don't know if there's anybody else out there that is equally uh, uh, tuned into this particular kind of a service or not. Any comments? I'd like to know if Dick knows of anybody else. No, nobody's coming to mind um, just as we speak, although I have reviewed uh, literature, but not recently. And I'm certainly happy to look through that literature again and see if there's anybody local um, that we could, uh, Dr. You know, Dr. Van Butzik from UC Berkeley, who helped us with the, the, the modeling um, exercise. If he is not personally knowledgeable about how best to create a payment for ecosystem services component, he might certainly know of somebody who, who would be. Well, could we give you a homework assignment, Dick, and sure. uh, ask you I, to come back? I don't think any of us are ready to... Uh commit to uh, including ecosystem services just yet, but I think we'd like to learn more, at least I would. I, Valerie's shaking her head. So if we could ask yeah, you- Yeah, I would too. Mm -hmm. uh, do a little homework and bring that back to us for the next meeting. Could you sure. do that? Uh, All right. You know, can I invite uh, Dr. Schilling if uh, if he's willing? Sure. All right. Yeah. yeah. Then I'll let, uh, I'll let Liz know if he says yes. And Good. On the agenda. Thank you. Bye. All right. Uh, again, that was just for information. Um, uh, one moment. Did you just, um, did you take public comment on this one? I know. It was public comment. Oh, I see. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry, I, guess we I, didn't close, I didn't close public comment. Sorry. <laughs> I, I guess we could ask if there is anyone else who would like to speak. Anyone else like to speak? Seeing no, that on the close. No Thank you. Thank you. Um, let's see, item nine update on available funding, Liz. So, uh, the, the latest uh, funding totals for um, including uh, the funds from Altamont Landfill and Vasco Road Landfill for the, uh, the eastern portion. Uh, which receives 80% of the funds. The, the total is $19,405,000. Uh, sorry, $19,405,723. And for the uh, Western portion, which receives 20% of the funds, the total is $2,345,404. All right, thank you. Um, item 10, update on Tesla Park, potential action item. That's usually Mr. Schneider, right, Dick? Or Sean. Well, Sean's not here though. Yes. Dick, Dick do you have an update on Tesla Park? Oh, am I still in? Yes. yes. Oh, I didn't realize it. <laughs> uh, sure. Um, so the 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 um the 
process involves first classifying this 3,100 acre area for the type of park, state park it will become, and there are various categories of them. And after it is classified, then creating a general plan consistent with the classification. Um, the two main alternatives that are being considered are a conventional state park, which involves a lot of different types of recreation, although it would not be motorized recreation um, or off-highway vehicle recreation, um, <clears throat> or a more protective type of park that limits the type of activities called a reserve. And the state parks is evaluating the conditions on the ground, doing surveys, cultural Native American cultural sites, um, historical sites, uh, as well as biological resources to determine what kind of a classification the park should get. The, um, the timeline is currently anyway, if there are no delays, is to bring a recommendation to the State Parks Commission, which makes that decision uh, next, at the end of this year in December. It was going to be September, but, but it's not practical to get it that done, uh, done that quickly. There are gonna be resource, biological resource surveys going on this winter and spring, um, and then, once there's a baseline of information, as well as cultural resource surveys, uh, when there's enough information, then there'll be um, public engagement later in the spring or summer to um, get the public's input as to the classification. And then, as I said, it will go to the State Parks Commission at the end of the year. That's the proposal as of the timeline as of now. All right, thanks. Any Comments or questions from the committee? Anybody else from the public that would like to comment on this item? No other raised hands. Right, thank you. Seeing none, I'll close public comment. Bring it back to the committee. Any other comments for on this item? No. All right, thank you. Moving on to item 11, future agenda items and speakers. I think we've already heard uh, about one. Dick is gonna ask uh, or come back for the next meeting with some more information about ecosystem services as well as potentially uh, including Fraser Schilling in that. Are there any other agenda items and speakers that the committee would like to propose? Yeah, not a speaker, but the agenda item uh, that uh, Liz is gonna come back with a list of uh, agencies and then so that'll be on the agenda so we can discuss it perfect thank you for the reminder of that anything else that we should make note of okay uh i think that brings us to the adjournment our next meeting is march 17th and as it stands now we'll be in person and uh liz and her <laughs> work will figure out where we're going to do that, right? Yes. So, uh, again, thank you all and uh, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. This meeting is adjourned. Well, thank, thank you. you. Sure. Thank you.